the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It is a delight to be able to resume uh, our uh, Friday afternoons with Rabbi uh, Pinchas Alush. Uh, due to some Jewish holidays, we had to uh, miss a few. But, uh, Rabbi, wonderful to have you back in the studio and a good to see you, of course. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be back. Rabbi Alush is the host of a great podcast, the Rabbi Alush Podcast on uh, Apple Podcast, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, uh, four or five minutes a week, um, and it will improve, if not change your life. Uh, to give you that's, – that's all they are. They're very short and um, – to give you just an idea, an idea about how how serious I am about that, his most recent one, uh, the best approach to life, I listened to about five times and oh, took wow. copious notes <laughs> on them. Uh, he is also the head rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefila here in Scottsdale, CBT as it's known uh, for short, uh, on Shea uh, on uh, Shea Boulevard, and he welcomes uh, anyone into. Um, their synagogue, uh, religious, not religious, Jewish, not Jewish. So, Rabbi, let's get to work. Yes. All right. Uh, before the Sabbath, and you don't have to work. Is, am I your last job of the of the week? No, no, <laughs> no you're not. But uh, <laughs> certainly a more delightful one than some others. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Some jobs we enjoy, some we don't. Uh, first of all, the best approach to life. Uh, talk to the talk to the audience and me about um, the story. You started off with a wonderful quote. From a um, from a uh, novelist, a French novelist, about the value of time. If you want to know the value of a year, ask a student who failed the course. If you want to know the value of an hour, ask a lover waiting. You know where I'm going with. Right. Start with that and take us about why we, especially this time of year, think so much about time. Right. So to continue on with that quote, yep. if you want to know yep. the value of an hour, ask two lovers waiting to meet. If you want to know the value of a minute. Ask someone that has just missed his train or his bus. If you want to know the value of a second, ask the person that just missed his car accident, uh, just was just avoided a car accident. And then, if you want to know the value of a millisecond, yeah. ask the person who received the silver medal in the Olympics. That's correct. And and the point really of this podcast was to emphasize the importance of time and how every second, indeed not only has to be valued, but has to be actualized. And uh, I think one of the great curses of our uh, blessings too, but also curses of our day and age, is that we've uh, created so many machines that save us time, but we also don't know what to do with that time. And the problem is that when time is squandered and we face this this malady of, of boredom, then it usually gives birth to terrible things. You know, there's a great historian by the name of Robert Nozick who says that uh, most, and I don't know if we've spoken about this in the past, but most wars in history have started just because of boredom. Nations were bored, Mm -hmm. so they decided to fight with one another. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for individuals too. When we are bored, all sorts of bad things can happen. And therefore, the value of time has to be appreciated and actualized in order for us to have meaningful and yes, also purposeful lives. 
Idle hands are the devil's workshop, we learn from the from Jeffrey Chaucer. It's part of that notion as well. There's an interesting word you use at the end of your podcast on this. Hope it's okay I'm dancing a little bit out of sure. order here. But the word you used was wasted. You don't want to waste your time. Right. And waste is an interesting word in and of itself. It has a couple different meanings in English. Uh, wasted, of course, is a... Um, it's it's a synonym for being drunk or inebriated, mm-hmm. but the Latin etymology of it means uh, is is from from empty means empty um, that you are doing nothingness, um, engaging in nothingness, and I think even that duality uh, inebriation doing nothing leads you again to that that point of uh, boredom um, or at least squandering. What I think people probably on their deathbed value more than anything or up there in the top three hierarchy of values, I would imagine, they wish they would have not wasted X amount of time. That's correct. Yes, absolutely. And and you remind me of the Midrash, uh, a sacred Jewish text that speaks about how our bur- uh, lives sorry, are like a fleeting shadow. Mm-hmm. And it speaks about how there are like three types of shadows. Some people like uh, live life like the fleeting shadow of a bird. Some people live life like the fleeting shadow of a wall. Some like the shadow of a tree. And the commentaries immediately point out that that speaks of three types of people. Each one used their time uh, differently. The people who use, who are like the fleeting shadow of a bird, they really squander their times. They do waste their times because just like the shadow of a bird, it is on the left side, and then quickly it's on the right side, and then it's gone. They leave no impact. Mm-hmm. They do not actualize time. There are people who live lives like the, the like a, a shadow of a wall, but the shadow of the wall only exists either in the morning or in the evening. When mm-hmm. the sun is shining on top of it, mm-hmm. it cannot exist. Same with some of those people who live their lives meaningfully, and yes, they do not squander time, their time in the beginning of their lives, or in the evening stage of their lives when they realize, gosh, I haven't done anything. (laughs) Let me try and use this type now purposefully. But then you have the ultimate type, and that's the type of people who who are like the shadow of the tree. They leave an eternal impact at every moment, every second, just like the tree that has that shadow at all times. And that really should be the goal, that we use every second of our day Meaningfully, purposefully, we fill it with with actualization of our own purpose. We'll relate that to the ho- to the period of time uh, in the Jewish calendar that that we are in right now. This notion of the Omer and what it leads to in just a moment. But as we do so, in thinking about the value of time and not wasting it, you and I have discussed in the past on this show the notion that. You need to be present. It's it's a good thing. It's an ideal to be present. Be all there, if you will. And I think I once gave you the compliment. One of the things people say about you is when they talk to you, you're as if the person who's talking to you is as if they're the only person in the room, which is a, a wonderful commentary about how you comport and take that so seriously. Comport yourself and take that so seriously. Say nothing. I know what you want to say. Don't say it. Uh, <laughs> you're not allowed to diminish yourself, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, being all there, being present, not wasting time, it's not only in interpersonal communications or dedication to work. I had this revelation on the way into the studio as I was listening to your podcast for about the fourth time, which was when we listen, 
How often will people listen to something on a radio or a lecture perhaps in a classroom or at uh, you know a conference and they kind of – they're not picking up every single word and the meaning and implied in every single sentence or even in the message that's conveyed. Their, their, their mind wanders a little bit. Mine certainly does an awful lot, which is why I picked up and took so many copious notes after listening to your podcast so many times. Uh, four minutes, and I picked, and and I and I had to listen a lot to get it because even I noticed when you're talking, uh, or when I'm listening to anyone talking, it's it's I don't know if it's natural, but but we have to be careful that we're listening as much as hearing. There's that old Simon and Garfunkel song, "The Sound of Silence." People hearing without listening. Listening is 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 part of being all there too. That's correct, and in a way, I think. It's two functions of the mind. One function is the function of listening, of absorbing. The other function is the function of thinking. And that's those two functions very often are, are meshed together. Unfortunately, they, they are mixed. When we listen, when we absorb, we're also thinking at the same time. Yeah, and right. in a way that thinking interrupts our listening. Right, exactly. And the ideal state of the mind really is a state in which we can listen fully without thinking, just, just absorbing. And then after we've absorbed everything, then we can think about and it. And we can cogitate on it. Yeah, people right. have spoken about turning off the committee in their head or whatever the extraneous uh, thoughts that they are creating when they should be focusing on the message right. that theoretically they're trying to have. But Seth, uh, I'll add to that. The yeah. prerequisite for this is complete humility. Okay. Zero ego. Yeah. When I have zero ego, I can truly listen. Yeah. Then it's not about me thinking. It's about me listening to you. And absorbing you because I gave room for you by pushing my ego aside. That's beautiful. Uh, giving room by pushing and 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 submerging your own interests and egos and concerns. I mean, often the mind wanders because it's thinking about a point that was uttered three three sentences prior, perhaps from the speaker. But also, it's often wandering because it sees something um, flying by, fleeting by, or you forgot an errand or a task, or you are worried about tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, or something in the future, which is also a waste of time. Right. Haval las bisman, something like that? A pity on the time? Is that yeah, how, how do I say it? Haval las Yeah, a pity <laughs> on the time. To worry about tomorrow doesn't solve tomorrow's problems. It just squanders today's blessings, right? That's correct. That's why, that's why they say the present is called the present because it's the only gift we have. When we come back, we will have more from uh, the gift that is Rabbi Pinchas Alush. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Rabbi Alush. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have Rabbi Pinchas Alush uh, in studio with me as we try to do each and every Friday his podcast, the Rabbi Alush Podcast, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. All of that discussion we just had, Rabbi, uh, having to do with time, emanates from your week, this week's podcast, The Best Approach to Life, because of the period uh, Jews are in right now. Say something about that and what it leads to and how you framed it with the notion of counting. Right. So seven weeks after the, the festival of Passover, Jews are busy counting. They are counting days, counting days and counting weeks. And that, and that counting leads to the festival of Shavuot, 
which comes again 49 days after Passover, seven weeks after Passover. But uh, the notion that we are counting during this period of time really stems from this idea that Judaism inculcates in us. And that is that now that we are transitioning to the summer, a time in which many people squander their time because they think they're on vacation. They think that there is a lot of time and, and the days are longer. Judaism tells us, well, don't fall into that trap. Count time because this is what will define who you are. People who actualize their time purposefully will eventually look back on the deathbed and say, oh, my life was worth living. Those who don't might not be able to say that. And the intriguing distinction about being cognizant of the time and the way we count is that unlike, as you put it in the podcast, almost every other human endeavor, we don't count down. Say something about right. that. The word countdown doesn't even exist. That's in amazing. Hebrew. I did not know right. that. That's and amazing. It's interesting because countdown really alludes to this idea that there is one big day that I'm so looking forward to that I have to start counting days towards it. Judaism says that every day is a big day. We have no countdowns because today is the day that is the big day that you're supposed to live regardless of whether that big day that you think is a big day will come or not. Live today as if today was your final day. You know, one of the great teachings in the ethics of our fathers, another great Jewish book about Jewish ethics and values, says that one should repent the day before he dies. And the big question, of course, is <laughs> well, no one knows when they'll die. What, what does that mean? And the answer is, well, that's the point. Yeah, That's the point. Today might just be your last day. Mm-hmm. So live it up. Use every moment meaningfully. And I think that's 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 the best approach to life, as the name of the podcast. There's not some destiny or destination, same word, same route, tomorrow. The journey is the destiny, I think you put it, or the journey is the destination, that's as right. I think how you phrased it that's right. in your in your podcast. When when we think about a countdown, it, it struck me as you were speaking that the countdown, yes, that's exactly well put by you. It's the countdown is to, for something to start, even a race, three, two, one, right, mm-hmm. or uh, ready, aim, fire. No, you should always always be ready if the journey is the destination. But tell me what this counting culminates in with this holiday of Shavuos. Tell us what Shavuos is and why that's important. It's, it's a major holiday. But it's not one of the more well-known or more celebrated holidays. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Shavuot is really the day in which God gave us the Torah on Mount Sinai, five books of Moses, what many refer to as the Old Testament. That is the day in which we received the Torah now 3,335 years ago. Now, what is interesting is that we count days before we received the Torah. We receive the Torah anew on Shavuot. Why before? Because it is God telling us, I will not give you this ultimate gift that I have called the Torah if you want to know how to value time. Because you'll squander this gift if you do not know how to value time and infuse every moment with this gift that I'm about to give you. After we've counted seven days and we've proven to God that, yes, time is of high value to each and every one of us, then God says, I'll I'll give you that gift because now I know that you'll use it 
meaningfully. There's a distinction, too, is there not, in the celebration or the commemoration of, of, of the holiday, in the giving of it, and a question as to whether the emphasis should be on the giving or the receiving. Perhaps we haven't completely received it yet, yes? That's, a, that's an excellent point. That's a point that a great uh, rabbi of 250 years ago, Rabbi Morgenstern, made, that this day is called the day of the giving of the Torah, not of the receiving of the Torah, even though technically we received this Torah, as mentioned, 3,335 years ago. And he responds, that is because every day we have to receive the Torah in you. There was no day in which we fully received the Torah. Every day we must be able to say to God, yes, I accept your word now, today. That, 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 that point about the word and the way we speak, it relates interestingly to the Torah portion of this week, uh, which is, um, uh, you pronounce it, Matsura? Right. Matsura. Right. Tazria and Matsura. Because it involves, um, it's, it involves a lot. Um, but one of the things it involves, I, uh, you correct me if I get this a little bit off or a lot off. One of the things it involves, of course, is uh, how to handle uh, certain diseases or afflictions. Maybe that's the right word for it, right. afflictions. And one of the commentaries I, I remember reading was one of the afflictions comes from one of the sins which is the sin of misusing words, the sin of slander. Do I have that close to right? That's correct, yes, of gossiping, okay. slander. And what would happen is that in the, in, in the times uh, that we're speaking about, some 3,300 years ago, when people would gossip, their bodies would be filled with leprosy. Not the type of leprosy that is medically defined as leprosy today. It was a different type of rash, but still, they would suffer. And... The big question is why? Why is gossip deserving of such a right. punishment? Right. And the answer in short is that because when someone is filled with rashes, he doesn't want to be exposed to people. So God is trying to seclude this person from society to send two messages. One, if you're a gossiper, you're a destructive force in society and God doesn't want you there. Number two, if you're a gossiper, Maybe it is time for some self-reflection because very often negativity comes from within. And if I try to destroy other people's happiness, it's reflective of my lack of happiness. Yeah, I'm trying to conceal myself with my own pride by pointing out the faults or the problems that I perceive or want people to perceive in you. That's right. And what God here is saying is, okay, we will show the world your problems. That's correct. Too. That's right. correct. Let and therefore go engage in self-reflection. In self-reflection. Let me, let me pick up on that uh, and the importance of the word uh, in in. And really, interestingly, all faiths, I want to connect this um, this notion of slander and the importance of the word. There was a big New York Times bestseller from a t completely different faith tradition. You may have heard of it called The Four Agreements, which is uh, a, a kind of a, a Native American-Mexican blend. And the first one, the first rule was be impeccable with your word. Impeccable is an interesting word itself because it means without sin. Hmm. So let's talk about word without sin and the importance of language and the use of your mouth when we come back with Rabbi Pinchas Alush. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest. He is the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. 
He's also the uh, head rabbi of the uh, synagogue in Scottsdale, Congregation Beth Tefillah, sometimes known as CBT, Congregation House of Prayer. Uh, all are welcome, as he will continually uh, invite you and say. Speaking right. of saying things, so the importance from one of the many importances from the Torah portion, uh, the Bible reading from this week that we will, that that people will read tomorrow when the Torah is brought out, uh, talks about afflictions one gets in in some respects because of the misuse of their word. It's it's very important not to go back to that word waste, if you will, the waste of the gift of language, the impeccability of, uh, of your word, the importance uh, of not misusing it through slander. Um, I believe the, what's the phrase, Lashan Hara, what is, which translates to something evil. That's right, the evil tongue. Evil tongue, okay. Which again refers to people gossiping, slandering others. And, you know, it's interesting because the word for word in Hebrew is dibur. But dibur also means something else. It means bees. It comes from uh, the word dabar, which is really the root word to the word devora, mm-hmm. bees. Mm-hmm. Why would the word word mean bees? Mm. And that is because our words function like bees. Bees can either sting or they can produce honey. Aha. Uh-huh. And so does the verbal word. Huh. It can sting or it can produce honey. But what is interesting is that the bee's default setting is to produce honey. Yeah. If it stings, it dies. Yeah. And so it is with us. When we speak words of positivity, then we are producing honey, and that should be our default setting. When we use words of negativity, then we sting. And that causes death in the world and some level of death to us too. Yeah, there's a lot of stories on this uh, from your – there's a lot of lore on this. Someone once tried to ask how he could repent from slandering someone and it was something akin to what, picking up feathers in a pillowcase? Mm, Right. Do you have some some – Yeah, someone came to his rabbi and said, uh, I'd like to repent for gossiping and slandering. And the rabbi says, that's fine. Go back home, take your feather pillow, make a cut in it, and let the feathers fly out. He said, Rabbi, I just did that. He said, the rabbi said, great, now go and assemble all of these feathers. He says, it's impossible. They're all over the place. And the rabbi says, well, that's what happens when you gossip. Yeah. Your words have this ripple effect. It's almost impossible then to repent because you can't assemble them back into the pillow. Yeah, that's interesting because in the in the in the common law and in of course English or American law the the, the slander is is something you can sue someone over and one of the elements of it of course is it has to be broadcast. It doesn't matter if it uh, if it wasn't broadcast and supposedly the damage we call it a tort which is a twist. We uh the, the damage is so overwhelming that it the broadcast of it, the publication of it, has to be one of the elements uh, to prove that you you did engage in slander, which, again, back to the element and the importance, not just of the word and what you say, but the element of the importance of time. Uh, Slander, uh, criticizing uh, others, or gossiping is probably the better word, is also a misuse of time, isn't it? That's a waste of time, if you will. Right. I think they are certainly very much... Interconnected, mm-hmm. because sl- where does slander come comes come from? Uh, partially, it comes from excessive talk, mm-hmm. and really, one should use his time not to talk excessively, mm-hmm. but to 
excessively act, to excessively do and engage in deeds of, of goodness. When you talk too much, that means you're using your time wrongly. Now, don't put me out of business. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. No, we don't want you to put me out of business. <laughs> no, but your talk is a deed of goodness. <laughs> Some, or I guess, we, we're, yeah, right. Uh, you, you have to give sermons too. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let me talk a little bit more about the concept of time and the um, and the journey being the destination, the journey being the destiny when we come back. Uh, I like – I like playing off words, and I love your use and skill with language and words. We were talking about the word waste having a dual meaning and how it can mean inebriation, too. There's no value, as you put it, in thinking about tomorrow, being concerned about tomorrow, or indeed counting down. There's a famous phrase in, the, in what are known the promises of the 12-step 12 12 recovery movement of AA, what says we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. Hmm. How the heck do you know when you're halfway through, right? That's the same notion. Oh, we'll come back right. with more from Rabbi Pinchas Salush. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Privileged and honored to have Rabbi Pinchas Salush uh, in studio with me as we try and do almost every Friday. He is uh, the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast. You can get it at Apple Podcasts, A-L-L. O-U-C-H-E, the journey being the destiny, uh, not to waste time, not to waste words, not to engage in idle chatter, not letting idle hands be the devil's workshop. All of this comes together. I was just saying that other use of the word waste uh, when someone is inebriated or if they have uh, the affliction of addiction of inebriation, they might find themselves in uh, – they might find themselves in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. One of the great phrases in AA – is that we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. And I just thought of that notion when I thought of us not supposed to be counting down. We're not supposed to know what the end of every day is the day, right? Every day is the day. Right. Can you do something with tying those sticks together? Yes. I, if I may, I'd like to connect this to a quote that comes to mind. You know, the quote, the famous quote of Eleanor Roosevelt who says that small minds speak about people. Mm. Average minds speak about events mm -hmm. and great minds speak about ideas mm -hmm. and in a way I think that people who engage in excessive talk and certainly in gossip and in slander reflect what type of mind they have mm -hmm. small minds mm -hmm. if we speak about ideas and if more importantly we put those good ideas into into a specific act of goodness and, and kindness, then yes, then we reflect that we are made of great minds. Now, they are great minds, I think because great minds know what to do with time. In fact, they know what to do with any type of gift that is given to them. That's what a great mind is. God gives us the gift of time every single day. And they know those great minds. They know how to use it. And therefore, they invested in ideas and invested in actualizing those ideas into good deeds. That's, that's what a great mind is. I, I will add to this. You know, there's a famous riddle that says uh, – that asks the question, what if you had $86,400 deposited into your bank account each and every day with the catch that none of it can roll over to the next day? What would you do with that money? Would you buy cars? Would you buy homes? Would you go shopping in some fancy mall? What would you do? But that question is not that theoretical. 
God deposits into our own account each and every day 86,400 seconds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. None of them roll over to the next day. That's right. What will you do with them? Yeah. If you're a great mind, you'll know what to do with them and use them effectively. Yes, that reminds me of the phrase that uh, the, 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 the life you have today is the gift God gives to you. What you do with it is... The phrase goes, the gift you give in return, but it could just as equally mean what you do with it could mean how you squander it, waste it, or spit back in God's face or on his hands, right? Right, right. The squandering of it and the wasting of it. This is a big deal, and it includes not only time, but how we listen, how we see, how we spend it. This this very portion of the week, which is so I, – I think it's a complicated portion – but I, I think I read somewhere that's, uh, that the great, the great sage Maimonides said, you can study it all your life and never fu- fully understand it. Hmm. Right. And, 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 and so, you know, in, in the notion of people who see great sages or great scholars that dedicate their entire life to the study of, of something in depth, um, they may feel that they've never fully understood it and they would wish perhaps for another 120 years to do so. But what they produce with that in teaching us, we all receive those gifts too. The mm-hmm. gifts of time well spent, I guess, is what I'm talking about. That's right. That's right. And I, I want to add also one idea here, and that is that uh, you, you hear it all the time um, when people say, you know, I'm sorry I took so much of your time, mm-hmm. and I don't want to take any of your time. Mm-hmm. And they call it your time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think essentially that's a wrong expression. Time is not my time. Mm -hmm. It's the time that God gave me. Mm -hmm. It's God's time. Mm -hmm. And God is expecting me to use that time effectively. Now, when someone is taking my time, he's not taking my time. He's taking God's time. And if I choose to use God's time with this person because I feel like I can help this person, for example, then he's never taken my time in the first place. It's not my time. It's God's time. Fantastic. And 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 there must be something about when two people engage in time, uh, whether it's a conversation like this or when someone makes an appointment to see you or you make an appointment to see someone else. Uh, there must be an obligation. I'm guessing somewhere in 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 religious thought, there must be an explanation that you're not going to, again, waste that person's time. You're not going to be a drag on their time, too. You do have to value their time as much as it is God's time. It's a waste of, I guess, God's time if you waste their time, but there is an obligation not to, correct? That's correct, yes. And it's a form of stealing. Yeah. There is a concept called the stealing of time, right. where I waste a person's time. Yeah. Um, but that is because it is divine time. Yeah, okay. What I'm doing is that I'm really uh, taking God's time and using it so profanely, and that that is a, a, an it's almost a slap in the face to mm-hmm. God, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And there is an obligation that when you spend time with someone, that that time should, of course, be we know the phrase "time well spent," um, a good time together. The obligation is also important when more than two gather. Uh, in the Christian faith, um, uh, there's there's the notion of two or more gathering. In the Jewish faith, it's ten, a, mi- a minimum of ten, right? I mean, there's something in, in the confluence of people gathering for a good purpose as well, not just one-on-one. That's right. Yeah, I think that when two people come together, or ten people yeah. come together, and they realize that their time is not their time. Yeah. And therefore, they better use it well. Then their interaction 
become so much more profound and 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 yes meaningful um but if if they don't relate to time like that then then it could lead to all sorts of trouble yes of course of course of course <laughs> right yeah uh, if i may also yeah, you sure. know uh, going back to slander and yeah, gossip yeah. because that also is a very terrible use of time i i will quote going back to rabbi morgenstern that we spoke about before who was also known as the Kotzker Rebbe, but he would say, and I wish people would live their lives by this quote, he would say that not everything that is thought is worth saying. Not everything that is said is worth writing. Not everything that is written is worth reading. And not everything that is worth reading is worth publishing. (laughs) That's beautiful. Let's end it on that, Rabbi Alush. Thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you to Rabbi Alush, who is always impeccable thank with you. his word. You bet. I'm thank you. Seven. Not my time again. God's time. So thank you. Thank you for spending for it. enabling it, me to use God's time so beautifully. Thank you. It's our honor. <laughs> Be right back. With all the vagaries and questions and uncertainties about the economy, why refi has an opportunity for you, an investment opportunity in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Fed or the stock market. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Think of that investment freedom. The the investment uh, in portfolio comes with no fees, and it is secure and collateralized and delivers, as I say, a high fixed rate of return up to 10.25%, fixed rate of return. Why Refi is based here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101 I have. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. And when you meet with the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much and why you can as well. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. YREFI is a due diligence approved firm, where as I say, you can get an up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. I like that uh, quote we opened with with Rabbi Aleutian, issue of understanding the importance of time. You may think oh, you have all the time in the world and you may think three minutes is no more important or than, um, than, uh, than, than two minutes or five minutes in either direction. And so I wanted to hunt down that full phrase from the French author Mark Levy. If you want to know the value of one year, just ask a student who failed the course. If you want to know the value of one month, ask a mother who gave birth to a premature baby. If you want to know the value of one hour, ask the lovers waiting to meet. If you want to know the value of one minute, ask the person who just missed the bus. If you want to know the value of one second, ask the person who just escaped death from a car accident. And if you want to know the value of one hundredth of a second or a millisecond, ask the athlete won a silver medal in the Olympics or who just missed the silver or just missed the bronze. Obviously, the professions we're in here uh, require us to um, to fill our time with words, and so it means so much to us that you would uh, accept us into your cars, your hearts, your ears, your heads, your homes, 
So I thank you um, for spending some of your day and some of your week with us. Hope you have a great weekend, a fulfilling weekend with all your time. And until Monday, I'll uh, say God bless you all. And uh, class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.